really yesterday when I was doing most of my thinking, which is when I'm on the headlands with Archie, um, I was thinking about receiving Christmas presents. And this is my experience, and I'm guessing that it's probably the experience of most of us in here, if not all of us. We'll receive a present, and, you know, what's the response? Oh, just what I've always wanted. Just what I needed. As you receive that jumper, and then you put it in the wardrobe with all your other jumpers. And that's how it is really, isn't it? Or a lot of the time anyway. And perhaps, you, you know, the younger ones in here, you, you get whatever it is you're given at Christmas and the, you're ripping over your, open your presents. Frantically hope, ripping them apart, paper going everywhere. Really what you're looking for is the latest iPhone and you, you don't necessarily get it because they're quite expensive. And so we end up maybe getting what we need. You know, maybe we really do need some new socks and someone has bought us some socks or something that we, we want. We don't necessarily want socks, but then we, we, we want something else and we may even get it. And a lot of the time we don't get what we need we don't get what we want, and that's Christmas for you. And the shopkeepers say, well, who cares? As long as people keep buying stuff, whether they need it or want it, just keep coming in. What about when it comes to the gift of God? What is it that the... Let's, let's hear someone now. John 3.16. Anyone know John 3.16? Anyone, not just now, but anyone prepared to say nice and loudly what John, th- what John 3.16 says? Anyone? You don't have to. I can. I'm sure most people, if not all of you, do know it. Because it's probably the first verse that you're introdu- introduced to when you're introduced to the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave he gave his only begotten son if god gave something that's a gift he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life so there you go god gives jesus his only begotten son that's what we celebrate at christmas time but thinking again about the things that we want the things that we need, who, bearing in mind that we come into this world at enmity with God, that means hostile towards God. And we really are. Even if we don't realise it, there is that hostility towards God by everybody to varying degrees. Anyone who is not a Christian is against God. There's no... There's, it's one thing or another. If you're Christian, by the grace of God, you are his child. If you're not a Christian, you are against God. Even though you may not show it outwardly, you may not be someone who raises your fist towards heaven or anything else, but you're certainly not for God. 
and that can be seen in your sin. The very fact that you don't do the things that God wants you to do, that in itself is evidence that you are against God. Each of God's laws is a reflection of who he, who he is. And so everybody comes into this world as a natural-born sinner. No one actually wants the present that God gives, the gift that God gives. We may get the Christmas present that we really want or that we really need, but when it comes to God giving his son, but before we go on with that, what does it actually mean that God gave his son? I mentioned this, it's only in the past years or so, recent years, that it became apparent to me that John 3.16 is explained by the preceding verses, what goes before it. If you think of John 3.16, it comes in two parts. It is worthwhile turning to it. It's quite clever, this. Um, John 3.16, we can divide that verse up into two parts. The first part, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that's part one, and then part two, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now look up to verses 14 and 15. Part two, in other words, verse 15, is identical to the second part of verse 16. You see verse 15 there? That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life, everlasting life, same thing. So that's the same as the second part of verse 16. What about the first part of verse 16? That bit where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Well, that is explained in verse 14. We see what, it's not a nice present wrapped up in, in um, wrapping paper with a nice ribbon round it, with a nice bow and all the rest of it. We get some idea what that giving by God, that gift of God, is in verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Then it goes on to say, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have ever eternal life. The Lord Jesus Christ being lifted up, nailed to a cross, lifted up to die on that cross for people who received, receive him from God. People who receive the Son of God, this is what they're receiving, Jesus, who was lifted up to die on a cross, bearing away their sins. Do people want that gift? And the answer is no, they don't. Not at all. Give me the iPhone any day of the week, or a a, a new car, or or anything, Uh, but I don't want Jesus. That's how it is. What about need? What about need? They don't want it. People don't want that gift from God. But do they need that gift? And the answer has to be yes, in every single case. People need that gift, whether they want it or not. There is no greater need. And if there's anyone in here this evening who um, has not received that gift from God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you that whether you want it or not, you need that gift. You need that more than anything. 
anything. Um, you can go through the rest of your life receiving all sorts of wonderful things, things that you even need, the new socks or the, the whatever it is. But there is nothing you need more than the gift from God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was lifted up to die on a cross, bearing away sin. Nothing more important. And don't let this Christmas time go by with you ripping over, open all your presents, receiving all those nice things, and not having received the gift that you need more than anything, the Lord Jesus Christ. That, how do you receive that gift? I'm talking a lot about receiving the gift from God. Well, it's a gift and gifts are received and you will know full well that you have received that gift from God when you repent, when you turn towards God with a, with a heaviness in your heart for your sin, for the things you've done wrong. And you are trusting in Jesus as your saviour from sin. When that happens, then praise God because you know that you have received the greatest gift of all. The gift that you need more than anything else in the whole world. And you know what? When you receive that gift that you need, you then realise, well actually, this is the best gift ever. There is nothing greater than receiving Jesus as Lord and Saviour. May that be each one of us in here. Amen. We'll turn to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Having a look at verse 25 there, it's written that of Simeon that he was just and devout. Just and devout. In other words, Simeon was a righteous man. That's not to say that he was accepted by God as having a righteousness of his own. Not at all. Simeon's acceptance before God was someone who was clothed and adorned with the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ who came into the world and became perfectly obedient to God's law in life and ultimately in death when he was nailed to a cross and lifted up to die. Where he paid the price for Simeon's sins upon that cross when he shed his blood. He paid the ransom for Simeon's sins and also the sins of all who looked forward in time or looked backwards as in the case of Christians here today. Simeon was looking forward, wasn't he? He was looking forward to his Saviour coming into the world. We don't look forward to that. Well, we do. We look forward to Jesus coming again on the last day when he shall gather up his elect. But we look backwards to when the ransom was paid, when Jesus paid the price for sin, when the Saviour, when Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And finally, after who knows how many years it was, all those years of waiting, the time had finally come when Simeon would hold and see his Saviour. 
Just look at that prayer of faith from Simeon in verse 29 and 30. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Make no mistake about it. That Old Testament man of God, he, I say Old Testament man of God, which he was. He wasn't a New Testament saint. We, we who believe in Jesus now are New Testament saints. That man had been waiting for the Saviour to come into the world, just like John the Baptist and others. He had a real saving faith in Jesus. Even before Jesus came into the world and was presented at the temple, he was waiting patiently for the Saviour to come into the world. And that really does speak volumes about the faith of the Old Testament saints. Admittedly, he was on, he was on the, it was almost the time of the New Testament, if you like, but he was still, nevertheless, someone who was looking forward to the Saviour coming into the world. As I say, a real saving faith. And it makes me think of another one in the Old Testament who had a, not just a saving faith, but you have to marvel, marvel just how much he did understand about the Saviour who was to come into the world. Who do you think I'm talking about? Does anyone know? There's one who really stands out. David, I was actually thinking of Job, to be quite honest. Job, chapter 19, isn't it? Verse 25, 26, something like that. Job, who said, I know that my Redeemer lives. My, 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 um, re, my, my kinsman, Redeemer. Speaking of a man, emphasis on a man there. I know that my Redeemer lives. Kinsman, Redeemer lives. And that he shall stand upon the earth in the latter days. And I shall see God. So in one breath, he's talking about a man who is his kinsman, redeemer, coming into the world, standing upon, standing up in the last days, and then he says, and I shall see God. Jesus. He had a very clear understanding of who his saviour was, who would come into the world. The man who is God. But back to Simeon here. This, he had a very real faith in Jesus waiting for the Saviour to come into the world. And just think about it. Simeon held in his arms God, veiled in flesh, the creator of all things. That little baby's hands and feet would in years to come be nailed to a wooden cross. Perhaps Simeon even kissed the face of the Son of God. His heart must have been filled to overflowing with praise, adoration and thanksgiving to God. We don't always see see things the same way, do we? For example, what about modern art? Modern art. For some, well, it's beautiful. For others, it's rubbish. The government's achievements, what about them, the government's achievements? Some approve of what the government does, whilst others clearly do not. What did Simeon see in baby Jesus? What did he see? 
Look at verse 32 to 32 again. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Simeon saw in Jesus a saviour for the whole world which he divided into two. Jesus came as a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of the Lord's people Israel. So you've got the, a light for the Gentiles and the glory of the Lord's people Israel. Israel as a nation had long since been God's chosen people ever since he set his love upon them He loved them because he loved them and because of his promises to Abraham and he delivered them out of slavery in Egypt and the the presence of the glory of God was amongst the Israelites in the wilderness when God led them in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night for 40 years of wilderness wanderings. The glory of God was present in the tabernacle, that mobile temple that they took with them in the wilderness. And they would, no doubt about it, God's peculiar people, chosen people, special people, ever since 1500 years before the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world. Jesus was born an Israelite of the tribe of Judah and initially his ministry was to who? The Jews. However, they received him not. They rejected him. And it's something that I was talking about just recently, very clear in the scriptures that they come out for they, the, the, the Jews, Israel, they are clearly, clearly spoken of as having uh, slain and crucified, crucified and slain rather, the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus came into this world as a light to lighten the Gentiles. As for what Simeon said there about, in verse 32, about the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, being a light to lighten the Gentiles, well, where where do we get that from, apart from Simeon? Where might he have got that from, in the first place, from the Old Testament Scriptures? He was obviously a man who believed the Bible. We have a prophecy in Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, concerning the Saviour coming to be a light to lighten the Gentiles. Let me just quote to you Isaiah chapter 49, verses 5 and 6. The prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 49, verse 5 and 6. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant. Well, there's a clue there as to who is being spoken of there. Form me from the womb to be his servant. 
to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the ends of the earth. As I say, that prophecy about Jesus was written about 700 years before Simeon held baby Jesus in his arms. And Jesus, Jesus declared himself to be that light when he said in John chapter 8 and verse 12, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. This is the person that receives that gift from God. The gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. They shall not walk in darkness, the darkness of sin, but shall have the light of life. In the Bible, darkness is a word that is often used to describe moral depravity, sin and death. The world that we live in is subject to such darkness. Do you realise that? Do you realise just how dark and desperate this world is? And Jesus is a light to lighten the Gentiles, people like us. But as for this world being in darkness, think about this. We have a spiralling drug culture. Whatever happens across the pond in America, it ends up happening here, doesn't it? We're not that far behind. Now, drug deaths is, is re- I've forgotten, I only read it yesterday, but it's, it's one of the biggest causes of death now in the United States of America, drugs. Then there's drunkenness and alcoholism. There's greed and corruption in high places and for that matter in low places as well. Every level of society, greed and corruption. There's sexual immorality being given the seal of approval by the world's lawmakers and including this island and don't we all know it. And what is the greatest cause of death that everyone, that peop, that's going on in this world now, apart from what I've mentioned to you, the, the, the drug culture, what's killing people left, right and centre in this world at the moment? What do you think it is? How about abortion? How about in the UK alone, over 500 babies are being slaughtered each and every day? No one seems to bat an eyelid about that. We do indeed live in a very dark and sinful world. The people of this world have their understanding of God darkened by the hardness and the blindness of their sinful and selfish hearts. 
But the good news is that Jesus has come into the world as light to lighten sin-darkened hearts. Finally, during the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, certain Greek people came to worship at the time of the Passover feast. They came to Jerusalem to worship. And they came to a disciple of Jesus and said to him, Sir, we would see Jesus. Never mind anything else, we want to see Jesus. Sir, we would see Jesus. Simeon fulfilled his ambition to see his Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, when God the Holy Spirit led him to the temple in Jerusalem and he held, he saw baby Jesus, having already seen him through the eyes of faith. I've explained that to you already. He'd been looking for that day, looking to see his Saviour, waiting for that day, waiting patiently. And finally, he held Jesus in his arms and he saw his Saviour. What or whom do you most want to see this Christmas? And right now, in fact, what do you most want to see? May it be your heart's desire to see, by faith, the one who is altogether lovely. Who else could that be other than Jesus? He is altogether lovely. He is the Son of God. (coughs) May it be your heart's desire to see him, believing with all your heart that when Jesus came down from heaven, he humbled himself. And he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, believing that he was wounded and put to death for your sins. If by the grace of God you really are someone who sees Jesus by faith, I'm talking about now, by the grace of God, you see Jesus, you see him as your saviour from sin and your Lord, then be strengthened be comforted, be encouraged by a sure and certain promise of God that one day you will be with him where he is and you will behold his glory. Simeon held baby Jesus in his arms. He saw his saviour. For now you see Jesus by faith. But one day, dear Christian, you will see him as he is. Face to face. And what a day that will be when your Saviour you shall see and you look upon his face, the one who saved you by his grace. Amen.